to the third edition of Publishing Perks. I'm Michael John Sullivan. Joining me today is Heather Hummel, who helps authors go from concept to being published. She is also a ghostwriter, an editor, and publisher who has experience with both traditional and independent publishing. Notably, she also travels via RV with her fiancé and two black labs. Heather, welcome to Publishing Perks. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to enjoy this, I'm sure. I'm glad you're with us, and I'm glad you're traveling in that RV that's always been my on my bucket list, so I'm kind of jealous. But <laughs> uh, first of all, everyone has an inflection point or points in their lives. Uh, something significant happens and awakens our souls and our hearts. For me, it was my homelessness experience. You had a near-death experience. Could you please share this with our audience, how this all happened? Sure. It was actually, we're coming up on the four-year anniversary. It happened on the morning of October 8th, 2014. I ironically had just signed a rather large five-digit ghostwriting deal with with a potential new client. We had sat down and talked about it. And then two days later, I landed in the emergency room with a heart rate of 257 beats per minute. So in simple terms, that's like four heartbeats a second. Uh, So that morning when I woke up, I was fine and was getting ready for my day and had gone into the kitchen to make my typical oatmeal orange juice breakfast. And I was walking with my orange juice out of the kitchen toward the living room when my heart rate leapt to such you know such an incredibly high heart rate that I kind of dropped to my knees I did drop to my knees I blacked out and when I came to I, I couldn't have been gone that long at that time because when I came to I was still on my knees and still holding the glass of orange juice I was not going to spill my orange juice but I distinctly remember looking up and seeing my two dogs. And at the time I was single and, you know, just me and my two dogs in a house in a rather rural area. And my first thought was, there's no way I'm dying and leaving my dogs here. You know, so I managed to get it together to get up and get to my phone and call 911. And also my landlord lived on the same property. So they came over very kindly to take care of my dogs while I was being driven half an hour away to UVA Medical Center. I mean, from where I lived, it was a good half hour drive. And in the ambulance, I look up and 257 is flashing. I said to the medic, is that my heart rate? He's like, yeah, I'm kind of surprised you're even talking to me right now. Wow. (laughs) And I just said, stay with me. And I was able to call my parents uh, down in Florida from the ambulance and my best friend. But the rest of the time, it was really just focusing on staying alive. And when I got to UVA Medical and they wheeled me into the um, emergency room, of course, all the doctors come around. Anything cardiac, they're always right on on top. And, you know, they said, we're going to have to try a couple medications. If those don't work, we're going to have to use the paddles. But don't worry because... We'll knock you out and give you a you know a drug so you don't remember it. <laughs> and so I jokingly asked them, "Can you also make me forget my ex boyfriends?" And yeah. <laughs> they didn't know whether or not I was being serious. I was half serious. Yeah. And the bed I'm in was just shaking. And the last thing I remembered at that point was a nurse saying, "Can you believe how hard her bed is shaking?" And at that point, they did knock me out, and they did have to use the paddles. 
to reset the rhythm. So, what do you What do you remember during this particular time? Is there anything? Are you dreaming, or what's what's going on with your mind? Well, you know, and having the two different the first part where I blocked out at the house, it was really you know seeing the faces of my two dogs, and you know, you know me well enough to know what that means to me. But sure. then in the um, in the ER at the time where they, you know, did the paddles and I was knocked out. I don't know how long I was out when I came to, you know, you, you do have visions. Did I see a bright light and Jesus? No, but I did see, um, an operating table and there was the surgeon around me. I was not on the operating table yet, but I did end up needing open heart surgery a couple months later, but there was, um, the operating table, a surgeon, and then a tall man standing like at my head looking over. And he was basically telling the surgeon, you know, you better do this right. She better come back. And that was in, that was October. 11 months later, I met my now fiance and he's six foot seven. <laughs> so I'm pretty positive that was him in the vision watching out over me. And a, a couple months after that, um, after they were able to recover me, I did go in for open heart surgery. So the being on the operating table did certainly come true, and the tall man looking over came true. So it was kind of crazy. Well, how did this inspire you? Or perhaps, you know, maybe didn't change your life. But uh, for me, if I ever had an experience like that, it kind of would make me look at the world in a very different way, not to get aggravated over silly things and everything like that. But in it, did any of that change as far as the way you looked at life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here I was, I was about to sign a big contract and I was about to actually move to Rhode Island where I was going to start photographing all the East Coast lighthouses. I'd already done some of them. So here I thought I was going to be moving in a few weeks and had this, you know, ghostwriting gig to work on. And no, I ended up at home on IV antibiotics for two months, followed by open heart surgery and recovering from that for another three, four months. And it, you know, it certainly gives you a lot of time to think when you have that much downtime. And I have wonderful friends and so many of them, you know, dropped, came over to help me out. I couldn't drive anywhere for several months. Um, you know, they came and brought me food and kept me company, but for the most part, you're by yourself. And, it gives you a lot of time to be reflective. So yes, people with a little sniffling cold aggravated me. <laughs> it's like, yes, sure. it's a little cold. Try the ER with a heart rate of 257. That has since faded. I have mm-hmm. a little more sympathy for those things now, but in the first year or two years, um, you know, you just realize how much you have to be appreciative of and the little things just, they really don't just matter like that, like they used to anymore. But it also really made me stop and think, you know, what's my purpose here? Why am I here? You know, I had already had a pretty solid career as a ghostwriter. I'd been doing a lot of photography. I was known for both and then having a publishing company. So I kind of wore three hats. That hasn't changed. I still do wear three hats. Um, But I do also struggle on a daily basis. Like, which one am I really supposed to be excelling in? And people say you can do all three, but I just, I still question that ever since then. You know, what's really my real purpose here? 
sure. And you're sort of like a dream maker in some way. You're a ghostwriter, so you probably make some people's dreams come true with a, with a book, and it's written well. Uh, but also, you also have your own publishing company where you also make dreams come true for other authors. So why don't you tell us what's exciting going on with your company? Yeah, with Pathfinder, I've got a wonderful children's book um, called Tales of the Kagan Cats, which is kind of neat. I'm a dog person, but the cat story caught my attention because it was about a guardian angel for the two cats. The, the family's first cat had passed away, and she was now the guardian angel to the two new kittens. And so it was really you know, an adorable story, and I loved being able to publish it. I don't typically do children's books, but I've had several people come to me with their children's books. So it's kind of interesting because my publishing company typically does fiction and, and memoir. So it's been fun, you know, diving into a genre that I haven't done before and learning more about that. And as a spinoff from all that, we do have a YouTube channel for Black Lab, RV Adventures, and that now has over 5,000 views to our different videos. You know, like you said, it's been a dream of yours to travel in an RV, and that's true of so many people we meet. We're just lucky that we have the luxury to be able to work from home, and home can be the RV. In fact, tomorrow morning we're leaving for Indiana uh, for a few days and then down to South Carolina. Boy, what an interesting life you lead because you write as well. Imagine just taking that RV to all these different places and, and just writing. So it's sort of like, a, I guess it's an author's love fest. If, we, if <laughs> I, any of us could actually do that. So, but uh, is your publishing company, are, are, are you interested in publishing any particular genre or type of book? I'm sort of starting to lean now because I'm young enough. The company is still young enough. Um, I've dabbled in it over the years, but just in the last year have started really building it up. And I'm really looking for subject matter experts people who do public speaking engagements that um, have a large audience and they sell books on their, you know, back table sales after their speaking engagement. Um, I do like subject matter experts because they have so much to share with the world as well. But I also gravitate toward fiction. So, you know, the big publishing houses in New York don't have one specific genre, of course, that they deal with. McGraw-Hill, yeah, more education and trade, but the Simon & Schuster's of the world publish all sorts of books. So for me, I love editing fiction and I love publishing nonfiction. <laughs> so if that makes right. sense. Sure, so, sure. Sure. Yeah. Now how can today's authors better prepare themselves for for the ever changing publishing world? Because uh, twenty years ago was a lot different than it is today. You know, with the internet, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, I don't know if I left out anything else, but all these social media sites do enable an author to reach an audience that they probably would not have been able to reach 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. When I first published with McGraw-Hill in 2008, there were only 2 million books on Amazon. Can you imagine? 2 million. No. That was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now sure. I think you add a couple more zeros. Yeah, I did an article a few years ago, and I think it was up to 28 million. But obviously since then, it's it's grown even more. So the other thing I've done is an article on the importance of a good author photo. 
which back in the day, that didn't matter so much. People didn't really know unless you were John Grisham, whose image is on the entire back of his book. There are no blurbs, no nothing, just his picture, you know, but unless you're John Grisham, people wouldn't really recognize you in the street, you know. Nowadays, with social media, your image is part of your branding and part of being an author. So I really do highly recommend that people get professional author photos done. Um, and that's also the photographer and me speaking. So I've done articles on Medium. I don't know if you're familiar with the platform Medium, but I've been on there quite a bit lately. There are a lot of writers on there. Um, so I did an article on the relevance of an author photo and also 10 tips on writing your author bio because your author bio now needs to be on your website, on the back of a book, and then you also need shorter bios for social media. So um, that's another really good resource. Okay, I'm going to ask you the most difficult question that you'll <laughs> ever be asked regarding a publisher, okay? I asked this of a couple of other publishers. Okay. One who loved nonfiction, one who loved fiction. They both are different areas and different viewpoints of each. But we, of course, we are living in a very, I call a toxic political atmosphere. Yes. And there's also the Me Too movement that has come to surface. And I thought to ask these publishers, and they both answered in different ways, is have you thought about that particular subject? And if somebody approached you that had been accused would you consider publishing their response to having been accused? Um, you know, years ago, what was Casey Anthony? Was that her name? The lady yes. that was accused? Okay. Yes. So years ago when that case happened, I was actually ghostwriting for a one of the Real Housewives at the time. And I did an article, I think it was on one of my blogs, um, about why I would not ghostwrite Casey Anthony's book. I believe she went on to get like a $10 million book deal. And, it, you know, it really was about my standards. I would turn down that money and not, you know, and take the high road. Absolutely. As a publisher, of course, I can make a lot of money. I mean, I won't give actual examples right now, but you can think of so many examples of people getting potential book deals. Um, but no, I wouldn't ghostwrite for just anybody because of who they were, their name, if that's exactly what you're asking. But it, it is. I, it's a different. Yeah. yeah, it's a different take on it and everything. And, and it's sort of like, well, everybody has a First Amendment right for freedom of speech, but you, being a private company, you have the right to turn down any particular person if it does not uh, work well within what you believe as well. I mean, because we all have our viewpoints and everything. So that was sort of like what I was thinking about and everything. Like, what's the one thing that you're excited about yourself, individually, that you want to write and you need to write it and you better get writing it because you're in an RV, you're going to be traveling a lot, you have time to write. What's the one thing that you should be working on right now? What I should be working on is a book that I'm co-authoring with uh, Kevin Moore. And who Kevin Moore is, is he was one of the players for Chaminade, which is a Catholic college in Hawaii. And they are famous for beating then number one Virginia basketball in 1982. It was the Ralph Sampson team, was it? It was the Ralph Sampson team. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge UVA fan, basketball, football, you name it. I'm an alumni and this particular book is about the upset 
Now, we signed the contract last fall, and we've been working on it. And for anybody who follows college basketball, they know that UVA was number one this past season. They were undefeated on the road. They won the ACC championship. They get to, you know, the Final Four championships. They didn't make it all the way to the Final Four, of course. But in the beginning of the tournament, the big NCAA tournament, they were beaten by a number 16 team which has never happened in the history of basketball. So here I am writing a book, co-authoring a book, which I'll actually will have my name on it, about the first time that UVA was the greatest upset in college basketball. And now there's a second time in, in college basketball history. And again, it's UVA number one. You know, So it kind of was an interesting uh, follow-up to the first book. And I had the pleasure of meeting Tony Bennett at a UVA alumni social back in the spring, and I said to him, I said, boy, you really put me in a hard situation. He's like, why is that? You know, he doesn't know me from Adam. Sure. And I said, I said, I'm actually writing a book about the Chaminade upset. And now UMBC, he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but because of UMBC and UVA being University uh, Baltimore, or University of Maryland, Baltimore City was UMBC, and they, they're the ones who beat UVA this year. But because UVA was number one for the last part of the season, there was a lot of publicity about Chaminade. So we've started the book. Um, it's also out there for being a film right in the movie. So that's the project that I'm going to be diving into this fall and winter. Well, we want to wish you happy trails, and we want to thank you, Heather Hummel, who, of course, helps authors believe in their dreams and makes them possible. And also, if you want to get in touch with Heather or her publishing company, where would they reach you? Uh, they can go to a couple places, Heather Hummel, and that's 2ms1l, author.com, or Pathbinder, and that's with a B, pathbinderpublishing.com is the publishing company. Heather, thanks so much, and happy trails. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Michael. Great chatting with you.